2: Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at over 170 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Our show today is being brought to you in part by AZI. Genentech, and Amgen. Uh, we talk a lot on our show about the cancer uh, experience and, and uh, certainly talk a lot about that topic here at the Cancer Support Community. Uh, this is something we and others have been working hard to improve uh, for the millions of people living with cancer today. Uh, a term that's been uh, buzzing around in conversation in the news uh, a lot lately is the term palliative care, uh, or as it is sometimes called, supportive care. Uh, On today's show, we have three great experts here to explain what uh, palliative care is and what kind of impact it is having. Today, we have with us Rebecca Kirsch, Director of Quality of Life and Survivorship in Cancer Control at the American Cancer Society. Rebecca is responsible for working collaboratively to provide strategic direction, input, and insight to bridge the society's survivorship-related research, policy, and program initiatives. Rebecca also serves as is a quality cancer care knowledge expert for the society's advocacy initiatives and activities to improve quality of life and reduce suffering for patients, survivors, and caregivers. Thanks for being here, Rebecca. Thank you, Kim. We also have with us Tom Keene, President and CEO of Sea Change, an organization that assembles key cancer leaders from three sectors private, public, and not for profit, and from across the cancer continuum prevention, early detection, treatment, and quality of life to work towards the mission to eliminate cancer as a major public health problem at the earliest possible time by leveraging the expertise and resources of its unique multi sector membership. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Uh, And last but not least, we have Selma Schimmel, Chief Executive Officer and Founder of Vital Options International, a Southern California headquartered and internationally focused not-for-profit cancer communications organization with the mission to facilitate a global cancer dialogue. Selma is a passionate voice helping patients understand their clinical options uh, and translating new research into hope and possibilities. Hi, Selma. Hi, Kim. Rebecca, I'm going to start with you um, uh, to get us started in the conversation. Uh, let's start with some basic terms, definitions. Can you tell our listeners exactly what palliative care is?
0: Sure. That's the most important beginning. And Palliative care is what focuses on relieving the pain, symptoms, and stress of cancer and its treatment to improve the quality of life for both patients and their families. It uses a team-based approach that provides an extra layer of support addressing the patients and families' quality of life priorities and concerns. It assists with communication and coordination across what can be many care settings throughout a cancer experience. And it helps give patients, survivors, and their families a voice in determining the medical care that is most right for them.
2: Is there, Rebecca, a, a you know a, a, a correct time or a diagnosed time when palliative care should be incorporated into cancer care or the cancer experience? You know, palliative
0: care is really appropriate at any age and any stage of disease, and it should be provided quite early, right alongside cancer treatment from the beginning, from the get-go, starting at that point of diagnosis and continuing as needed throughout the cancer experience and into long-term survivorship.
2: So, Selma, I know when some folks hear the term, you know, palliative care, we talk about this, you know, idea of, of symptom management, um, that some people in their minds immediately go to, oh, well, this must be, you know, hospice care, making people comfortable when there are, when there are maybe no other options. Um, what's the difference between palliative care and, and hospice care so we can kind of set the record straight on that?
3: Yeah, I think the, excuse me, the common perception is when you say palliative care, you immediately think of end-of-life care. But hospice care is under this umbrella of palliative care, which is quality-of-life care, and it may lead to hospice care. But the goal of palliative care doesn't uh, initiate
2: at end-of-life, which is where hospice care would, would kick in. So w- so let's drill down a little bit more, Selma. What are some of the, uh, the, the, the issues that, that palliative care um, you know, might address?
3: It can be pain management. It could be nutritional needs. It could be spiritual needs. It really focuses on providing patients with relief from the symptoms of pain and the stress of serious illness, whatever the diagnosis is. It's what you've already heard. The goal is to improve quality of life for patients, for their families. It is a team approach at any stage of one's disease, and as you've already heard, it provides that extra layer of support support. It's appropriate at any age, and it can be provided along with curative treatment. The medical oncologist and the oncology nurse will do their best, but time is limited. And so it is the specialty of palliative care
2: that helps to connect all the dots in the continuum of patient care. You know, Tom, I want to pull you into the conversation here and get your take. Um, you know, w- w- what are some of the uh, uh, some of the benefits, uh, uh, you know, of palliative care? How are we starting to see uh, palliative care sort of integrated and adopted? And and uh, um, you know, why are organizations like your organization SeaChange so supportive of it and really speaking out about it?
4: Well, thanks, Kim, for uh, allowing us to participate here on this issue. LaSalle LaFalle, a noted cancer surgeon and one of our founding members, was always quick to keep pointing out to us that the patient should always be the object of our affection. And that's one reason why we're really supportive of this palliative care effort, because it puts a patient's quality of life right at the forefront of our thinking. It provides an opportunity for patients to actually achieve the best quality of life they can, even though they're facing this major health issue that we call cancer. Um, You know, you've already heard some of the things that that patients benefit from in terms of the direct patient benefit and managing their symptoms, et cetera, but I think it's also important to note that it helps bolster patients' strength to carry on with daily life. It improves their ability to tolerate medical treatments. Um, It also helps uh, patients have more control uh, over their care by improving communication between doctors and the healthcare team and the patients and loved ones. And I think this issue of this communications is really critical uh, as a part of this. It's not just the services provided. It's providing that connection and a better connection between patients and, and their loved ones and the, and the healthcare care team
2: so tom we're talk you know we're hearing from you guys, I think this sort of theme of you know this is something that needs to be integrated It needs to be something that we you know talk about from from the beginning uh from the beginning of the uh, of the diagnosis. Has it not been integrated up to this point? I mean is it something that's been you know sort of okay, we have no more treatment for folks let's send them to let's send them down the hall you know to uh, uh, to palliative care i mean is it is 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 this a new uh is this a new idea the way that we're talking about
4: this and framing this well I don't think the idea of, of uh, actually managing patients needs and symptoms et cetera is new I think what's different here is we have a specialty area that has emerged in mm-hmm. which oncologists connect now with a whole new array of of clinical care providers that can actually help manage the patients so that oncologists do what oncologists do best, which is take care of the cancer, and others take care of some of these conditions. I think just as an example of this, many cancer patients also have other conditions for which they're suffering from. For so the palliative care specialist, you have that opportunity, for example, to have that person being looked at as a whole patient, not just as a cancer patient, and I think that's the benefit of everybody, the oncologist. And and the patient. Uh, Rebecca, can
2: you chime in on that uh, on that as well? I mean, why are we why are we suddenly talking about this thing? Called, called palliative care, as Tom said. You know, we've been uh, tending to the uh, the symptoms and side effects, uh, you know, of cancer patients for uh, you know for many years. So wh- why are we in this interesting conversation with this new term, palliative care, trying to get it in you know incorporated into into patient management, and the cancer experience from the beginning? What's our shift here?
0: Well, one of the big shifts is the focus on quality of life that's really important to patients and families. As Tom said, is our true north. They really are where we start. And we know that with cancer, the treatments are quite toxic and can have a long-lasting burden even after they're done that we're really trying to address in this more whole person-oriented way. And so palliative care is part of the formula that helps deliver that whole person and goal-directed care that everyone knows is now better medicine.
2: Selma, are, are, are we hearing, uh, are, are doctors offering this to patients? Are patients starting to ask for it? Obviously, I, we're trying to kind of raise the bar here today and raise awareness on this uh, on this important topic, but is, are you starting to see this getting integrated into the patient-physician dialogue?
3: You know, if a patient is treated at a cancer center, hopefully, there's going to be a palliative care service available, but over 80% of patients are treated in the community, and it's a real dilemma in the private sector because if you were to Google palliative care, you will probably land up at a hospice care organization, and it's much more challenging within the community to find a palliative care specialist, and part of it is that the general perception of when you still say palliative care, Mm -hmm. it's still tied to end of life. So the first thing we have to do is redefine our understanding of what palliative care is. There's another challenge, and I know it's difficult sometimes for physicians to sort of themselves, since while palliative care has been out there, the idea of integrating it into practice... We're still struggling with that and so if a patient goes to a physician to say I'd like a palliative care referral there still may be a lapse in the ability to mm-hmm. bring that specialist we don't have that many palliative care specialists mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. so this is a challenge and it's also a slippery scope because Oncologists will say, Well, I know how to give palliative care. I know how mm. to do pain management. But yeah. it's
2: not only, it, it, it's much more than a prescription. Much- much more than that. This is frankly speaking about cancer. Uh, We're talking about uh, palliative care and really managing uh, uh, patient symptoms throughout the course of the diagnosis uh, from uh, from diagnosis throughout uh, care. There's a lot of learning to be done. We're on a real learning curve about what palliative care is and why it's important for all patients to understand it and have access to it. We have three uh, great guests with us on the show today. We have a lot to cover. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here. Don't go away. We will be right
1: Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing how to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope.
5: Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, and over Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. or call 617-733-5848.
6: Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaides, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day.
5: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
2: I'm Kim Tebaldo, and today's show is being brought to you in part by Celgene, Lilly Oncology, and Onyx. We're talking about palliative care today with three experts, as we've just learned Palliative care is not the same as hospice care. It should be implemented alongside uh, cancer treatments and has some pretty significant benefits. Uh, In this next segment, we really want to drill down a little bit uh, and talk more about what to uh, expect when you're being offered or asked for palliative care uh, to manage your your cancer experience. Um, uh, Rebecca, we talked about the fact that uh, that this is really that the the treatment of any uh, cancer cancer patient is really a multidisciplinary, uh, multidisciplinary team, but, but who are these palliative care experts that we're talking about? Who are the professionals that make up the palliative care team? Well, first
0: and foremost, I would say that the oncology team, as was brought up in the first segment, they can provide palliative care as part of cancer treatment to help reduce symptoms and side effects. And then in addition to that um, oncology care, uh, those oncology team members or other doctors, whether they're a family practitioner, an internist, or a pediatrician, they may also request assistance from the specialized palliative care service team. And they'd work in partnership with the oncology team and the other doctors to provide that expert symptom management that extra time that's needed for communication that we've talked about, and the dedicated help in navigating through the healthcare system. So the core palliative care team, it might include specialty-trained doctors, nurses, chaplains or spiritual counselors, and social workers. And then on top of that, we may have also pharmacists, nutritionists, massage therapists, child health specialists, and others that might be part of that interdisciplinary team.
2: And are those uh, mainly folks, Rebecca, that the patient's going to encounter or interact with at the hospital or in in the oncology practice? I mean, can you receive palliative care services at home, some of the things we're talking about?
0: The miracle answer is yes, palliative care teams do do home visits, um, and but the important element here is making sure that these teams are available for that consultation. Increasingly, it's becoming part of the comprehensive cancer care services that are provided to patients and survivors, but as Selma mentioned, we don't have those teams available in the numbers we need across the land, and that's where oncology teams need to also stretch their muscle to have some of these palliative care skills. Um, to draw out of their belt to help patients deal with their symptoms and side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, but where these teams are available, home-based visits are part of the services that palliative care teams may provide. Okay, good to good to know. Good to
2: know. Um, so, Selma, let's you know, let's get down to to uh, some brass tacks here. What what are we talking about here? Do, I, do as a patient, do you say to your do you say to your doctor? you know, I want palliative care or um, is there a palliative care team here? I mean, I know one of the things that I hear sometimes, Selma, is that, you know, patient gets very attached to their oncologist. And, and again, like as you said, there's sort of this misperception that palliative care is, is, is hospice care and folks might have some anxiety from, you know, separating from their oncologist. And I think that's why... This idea of incorpor- this being incorporated as part of care, you know, is so important. But how, how, does, the, how does the patient start this conversation?
3: Well, you know, the, the, the great thing would be is if the, within the clinical setting the conversation is initiated early on so the patient isn't the one that has to initiate it. One of the goals of the American Society for clinical, of Clinical Oncology, ASCO, is to bring the palliative care discussion into the doctor-patient dialogue much earlier, and that's a current goal, because then it becomes a natural part of the discussion. I wish I could say that most patients would understand when it's time to bring up the question, but the first thing we have to do is help patients understand the necessity and the value of what Mm -hmm. truly integrative medicine is, which is what palliative care brings to them. That said, Part of the dilemma is a patient will go to the doctor and say, I'm experiencing pain, and I'm using pain as an example. It could be depression. It could be nutrition. It could be any number. It could be an existential crisis, whatever it may be. But it puts the patient then in the position of having to go to the doctor saying, I'm experiencing this, and then the hope that the doctor addressing pain is one thing. How to really sustain proper pain management is quite another And so I think that you raise a a pivotal question as to the onus of responsibility. What does it really even mean psychologically when the patient has to be the one to go to the doctor saying, I think I need palliative care? By the time the patient may go to the doctor asking for more intensified supportive care, there may be a lot more going on with the patient than if we would have been able to have addressed it sooner in the process.
2: Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. and- and, and, Tom, what about, I mean, we always talk about this idea that, that, that you know, cancer is a family disease. Cancer doesn't just affect the individual but affects everyone around uh, that individual. Where do, where do the caregivers, uh, you know, fall out in all of this? Can, can caregivers be advocates uh, for palliative care? Does the caregiver in some way, you know, benefit from the integration of, of, uh, of palliative care? I'm hoping that there are some caregivers out there, uh, you know, listening today who may also benefit from our
4: conversation. Well, I'm really glad Kim you, you brought the caregiver into this I mean it is a family issue or it's not a family issue certainly one between loved ones or other friends who, who uh, help take care of cancer patients uh, as they're going through their experience now I think one thing that, that we ought to keep in mind here though is that patients when they're told they have cancer suddenly encounter this new and very frightening kind of role that they're completely unprepared for well the same thing happens with caregivers, they're suddenly thrust into roles they never, never knew about, never expected about, never expected, uh, et cetera. And so I think one part of this is not just that they benefit from palliative care the patient receives, and there is that, because as patients do better, caregivers also do better because they see this patient is progressing and doing better under certain circumstances where they're getting palliative care services. But if we integrate the caregiver into being a part of the healthcare team, what actually happens then is better communication between the caregiver and the patient. And it also increases the, the ability to have a partner now to integrate with the healthcare system and to better navigate through that healthcare system. So I think if we, we think about this, we have to look at caregivers and recognize that in this new role they're also being weighed upon. Their their lives have been turned upside down as well as the patients. But the benefit of palliative care is to take into consideration just as much the interaction between the patient and the caregivers are part of the service as well.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I think that I think that's so important, and we see caregivers really becoming advocates. So I think raising that educational level around palliative care for the caregivers is just as important uh, as it is in having this discussion, uh, you know, with our patients. Um, I want to ask each of you. So Rebecca, I just I want to start with you first. I want you to. Uh, For folks who may just be joining us, you know, we're talking today about uh, palliative care and and, and what it means and how you get it, um, who's paying for it. We're going to get to that piece of the conversation. But, Rebecca, um, if you can, number one, just tell folks again what palliative care is, because I think you had a really good definition um, that I think will help folks understand what we're talking about. And then I want to ask each of you, um, are there places where folks can go? To learn more about palliative care, the palliative care experience, and 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 again, tips that you may have for our uh, listeners um, in terms of how to really initiate this conversation with the doctor, with the uh, with the healthcare team. Can I start with you, Rebecca?
0: Sure. Getting back to what is palliative care, it focuses on relieving the pain, symptoms, and stress of cancer and its treatment to help improve the quality of life for patients and the family and caregivers. It uses a team-based approach that provides an extra layer of support that addresses the patients and families' quality of life priorities and concerns, helps with communication and coordination across the multiple care centers, settings where cancer patients uh, face their care, and helps give patients, survivors, and their families a voice in determining uh, both their values and the medical care that aligns with those values that's right for them. In terms of resources available where people can start to go to learn more, the first place to start is asking about palliative care at your cancer center, as we've talked about here. In addition, there are many resources available online. The American Cancer Society has introductory information on palliative care on its website, and there are also other helpful online resources, such as at www.getpalliativecare.org. Excellent,
2: excellent. Uh, Selma, some thoughts about where patients can go to learn more or some tips for um, how a patient raises this, uh, oncologist, uh, raises this conversation with their oncologist, again, without this sort of, you know, fear that, oh, I'm going to be sent down to some other department down the hall or in the basement, and I, you know, I don't want to be disconnected from my uh, my kind of oncology team that I've gotten to know here.
3: Rebecca mentioned uh, www.getpalliativecare.org. It's sponsored by the Center to Advance Palliative Care. It's an excellent website. They actually um, have a brochure that a patient can download, and for that first interaction with their physician, it's a wonderful tool. They can print that out. They can take with them. It's almost like a guide to how to communicate your needs about palliative care. You'll learn an awful lot there, getpalliativecare.org. I'd like to take an opportunity to say that the uh, series that uh, Vital Options is producing alongside uh, C-Change and ASCO um, mm-hmm. really will help a lot of patients, sort of help demystify, let them meet palliative care specialists up close and soon other patients up close at thegrouproom.tv if you click on the palliative care link. I think the more we can do to help patients learn and experience firsthand by speaking with other people and, 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 and learning about the specialty of palliative care, it's going to help a lot shed a different light. I think it's that first fear of what does this mean
1: mm-hmm. and then a
3: huge relief that comes with knowing that you've just empowered yourself, that you've strengthened your core medical team. None of this is about trying to pull one away from their doctor. In fact, it breathes your physician to be there for you in an even more comprehensive way. One can't be everything to everybody. Mm -hmm. And so if we can help doctors feel secure, too, that they're not losing their patient. They're just building a a stronger team to help Mm -hmm. both their patient and themselves deliver the best quality care.
2: Outstanding advice, Selma. Tom, I've got about thirty seconds till our uh, till our break here. Other uh, other thoughts to add? I think these are some great resources. getpalliativecare.org dot org and the work that you guys are doing with Vital Options and ASCO.
4: Well, you guys have some very good resources also at the cancer support community. But just a couple of others, the American Academy of Hospice and Palliative Medicine also has good resources. Uh, Caring Connections, which is a program of the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization, has. Uh, excellent materials, and I'd also mention the National Palliative Care Research Center. Uh, All of those can be Googled in order to get uh, websites for them.
2: Outstanding. Great great advice uh, from our panel today. This is Frankly speaking about cancer. We're going to take a quick break here. Don't go away. We have a lot more to cover, and we'll be right
4: back.
3: Cancer.
6: I'm Nick Nicolaides, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities' Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human healthcare, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day.
5: People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help. And many of the people in their lives want to help, but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar, to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific Meal Trains this October. To learn more, visit mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: Cancer brought to you in part today by AstraZeneca, Millennium, and Purdue Pharma. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo from the Cancer Support Community. Today we are here with three experts who are talking about palliative care, a growing movement in comprehensive cancer care today and an important part of the cancer experience. Uh in this next segment I'd like to talk more about this sort of increased buzz around palliative care in, in, in recent years and really where we see this uh where we see this going. Um Rebecca, according to information on your organization's website, the American Cancer Society's website, in the year two thousand there were only around six hundred palliative care teams in in U.S. hospitals. Today we're seeing more than 1,600, a 148% increase. Um, uh, You know, again, for folks joining us, and and just to anchor this, why are we seeing such an increased focus on this uh, kind of supportive care? What what does it mean to integrate palliative care, and, and, and what are the benefits? Obviously we must be seeing some benefits to see an increase in the number of experts and the number of teams around the country.
0: Well, the numbers are soaring, Kim, and over the last decade in particular um, and even more recently. And the biggest backdrop or reason for that is the science behind palliative care. It's shown us that people who receive it earlier in their cancer experience or other serious illness Um, experience, they live much better. Their symptoms are controlled. Their depression is managed. But um, importantly as well, we've also seen studies showing that these folks may not just live better, they may also live longer. So there was a study in the last couple of years out of the Massachusetts General Hospital of Lung Cancer Patients that showed that patients receiving usual cancer care plus palliative care from early on. In their diagnosis and throughout their treatment, their symptoms were better managed, they had a better experience overall, but they also lived nearly three months longer. So that was a significant sea change for the field in terms of making the case that palliative care really does deliver the best quality medicine. I think that recognizing um, this notion of palliative care as just darn good medicine has really made the numbers of teens in hospitals rise over this last decade. Um, Those who are more forward-looking hospitals and cancer centers now understand that palliative care sort of delivers that triple win. It's beneficial to the patient it's beneficial to the physicians and it's beneficial for the hospitals. So it delivers that triple aim trifecta that we talk about so often is essential to good quality care of better health, better care at lower cost. And I think that palliative care will be expected to rise even further as more of the public becomes aware of its benefits, this notion of better symptom control, better quality of life for patients and families, but also um, perhaps better survival. So our job, one, really, is to give patients and families the words to use to get this care that they very much need and want
2: so tom let's let 's drill down a little bit more on some of the you know, sort of the economic story that Rebecca has started to 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 tell for us here and, and and what we know about the sort of economic impact of palliative care on society obviously everybody's talking today about how we contain how we lower uh, health care costs in our in our country. Um, what do we know about uh, about how palliative care affects Cancer cost is part one of my question. And then part two, does insurance pay for palliative care, which I think is a really important uh, topic to discuss for our listeners. Sure.
4: So I think uh, um, this is really a perfect uh, kind of a connection here between an opportunity in palliative care that not only benefits the patient but also is going to benefit society economically. So first thing is costs of care are reduced, overall costs of care are reduced. So for example, a recent Kaiser Permanente program with home-based palliative care showed a cut in costs, overall costs by 67%. Um, we also know that palliative care decreases the use of aggressive and ineffective, and I might add, costly treatments. Uh, readmissions are reduced, and uh, readmissions are a big deal uh, in terms of overall cost of care generally, not just in cancer care. Inpatient uh, palliative care also reduces costs. Uh, for example, Medicaid patients who receive palliative care uh, in, a, in a study that was done in New York averaged 6900 less in hospital costs during a given admission. And uh, palliative care also decreases length of stay, especially in intensive care units. That reduces costs. Uh, and there, there are just a whole series of data that are now coming out showing how palliative care impacts costs. Now, the question of insurance and how we pay for it is another story. And I think it's an important story to tell. So first of all, like any other coverage that we have for any of our health care, this is highly dependent on what kind of coverage you actually have. And, of course, as we're going through health reform and everything, some of these are still going to unfold. But generally speaking, most insurance plans cover all or part of the palliative care treatment services that you would receive uh, from providers such as hospitals and hospices uh, and others. Uh, so I think it's important to realize that many of these services are provided, but there isn't any defined benefit labeled palliative care uh, in the same way that we have hospice care uh, defined under Medicaid right now. Now, one thing that can, people can do, though, is because insurance is always confusing, always a problem is look to other resources, and one source is the palliative care team itself to help an individual determine how they, what their coverage actually has in it and how that would apply to the services that might be being provided there. And I think in general also there are other resource organizations that can be helpful if people start running into economic issues around their insurance or just generally And groups like the Patient Advocates Foundation are one of those
2: you really, uh, I think it's important, as you said, that it's not going to be listed or coded as palliative care. You really need to drill down on your coverage and, and, and make some calls, ask some questions, uh, to make sure these services are, are, are covered. And I, you know, I think it's the same advice we'd give if you're shopping for coverage uh, through the, uh, you know, the Affordable Care Act, the new, uh, some call it Obamacare, and uh, shopping for coverage through the state exchanges. I'll just mention that the cancer support community has created a checklist for cancer patients, uh, questions that they should ask ask um, uh, when they're shopping for coverage through the exchanges to make sure these kinds of important services and other important services are included in the plans that they may be buying uh, through the uh, through the state exchanges. And so uh, make sure folks know of that resource and if they want to put their hands on that. Um, Selma, you mentioned um, uh, an initiative that you're working on with um, uh change and ASCO, the American Society of, of, uh, of Clinical Oncology. Can you tell us more about that and other work? that you're doing at Vital Options to communicate the importance of this topic and really educate and empower patients um, around palliative care?
3: You know, this is something I'm very passionate about. You know, I've experienced my own palliative care consult, and until I actually sat not only interviewing palliative care doctors but actually sitting with one patient to doctor, I couldn't quite comprehend what a unique niche of medical specialty palliative care really is. And these doctors Mm. come from multiple disciplines. Some are oncologists, some are psychiatrists, uh, some are radiation oncologists, some are internal Mm. medicine doctors. So one really has to appreciate the landscape of of what a palliative care specialist, what they bring to it, from the variety of clinical specialties they may already come from. What we're trying to do between Vital Options, C-Change, and ASCO is to really humanize the palliative care experience. We have a great start interviewing the key opinion leaders throughout uh, the U.S. and Europe who can really teach and demonstrate palliative care. What is the specialty? Why are these physicians so passionate about this area uh, of clinical intervention? But for patients, we really want to feature these vignettes, and we want to take real people and show you other lives and the journey to drive it home, and how we speak to someone with cancer is going to be very different than someone in the general public who has maybe not yet been touched by illness, and they're hearing about palliative care for the first time. There are cultural barriers and issues that we have to deal with, depending on what one's value systems are and culturally how they perceive illness. And palliative care that, yes, could lead to end of life and hospice care down the road. And so, our goal is to further develop the series to allow other advocate organizations, providers, patients, family members, and the general public direct access to educational materials and meeting other people who will sort of hold their hand and take them down a very personal journey.
2: And so is this something that, where we have a launch date scheduled, uh, something we should be looking for? It's in
3: progress now. If you go to the grouproom.tv, there are three years' worth now, and the most recent at ASCO, at at the ESMO meeting that just happened, a dialogue with uh, physicians from all walks of life and why palliative care is so important. What's interesting is that we've now sat with advocate groups And I think this is a huge opportunity for the cancer advocacy community to take an issue on, and that would be for collective organizations collectively to begin to address the issue of palliative care because each one of our organizations has tremendous influence and reach to the patients and the family members that depend on us. So please, yeah. I encourage you to go to the thegrouproom.tv and start looking at these videos, and they're free to disseminate and use, because I think the buzz and the real paradigm shift can come from the public and from patients and from family members. This is something we can really, really own and be a part
2: of changing the quality of life for patients everywhere. Great, uh, great, great comment, Selma. I appreciate you sharing about your own personal experience and what that was like for you really on the on, on the front line and bringing that into your uh, you know into your own care planning with your own experience um, this is frankly speaking about cancer we're talking about palliative care and really uh, addressing and managing the symptoms the side effects the stress the distress uh, that uh, folks go through when they're diagnosed with cancer and there really is this emerging specialty area um, that uh, that we are pushing to make folks aware of and, and to let them know that this really should be made uh, available to you throughout your your cancer experience. We're going to take a quick break here. Don't go away. We will be right back.
5: Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, and over Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Or call 617-733-5848.
1: Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. Or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope.
6: I'm Nick Nicolaides, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities, Frankly Speaking About Cancer Series. Morphotech and its parent company, AZI, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day.
5: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
2: I'm Kim Tebaldo and this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Our show today is being sponsored in part by McKesson's Giving Comfort Program, Bristol-Myers Squibb and Morphotech. We've been talking about palliative care, uh, and as our show uh, inches towards our close here, um, I would like to help our listeners learn a little bit more about how they or someone they know uh, can begin a palliative care program. Uh, plan. Um, I want to, uh, since you both come from three wonderful organizations that are important partners to the cancer uh, support community, I'd actually like to ask each of you to just take a minute or two to tell our listeners about your organization, how folks can find your organization, and uh, some of the things that you're doing to really advance this, um, this uh, palliative care conversation, if you can take a minute or two uh, to do that. Selma, let me start with you and Vital Options.
3: Well, we you know, I started Vital Options when I had cancer in my 20s. I have had to walk the cancer walk for so many years now, now with more advanced ovarian cancer. My organization is dedicated to cancer communications and allowing to do just what we're doing with you today, which is to facilitate a global dialogue. And uh, you can find us at vitaloptions.org and the group room dot TV where all of our video content is housed. And and, and Kim, before we go, I just want to let patients know that one of the great things about their palliative care specialist is also that they are fantastic navigators to help Mm. patients at any stage of their disease and family members sort of figure out where they need to go next and having a navigator who's
2: tuned in to your clinical issues is just a great gift. Fantastic. I think that's great advice, uh, Sam. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, Tom, you leading a great organization. Lots of good work happening there. Tell our listeners about Sea Change and the work you're doing on this front.
4: Well, palliative care is one of the six major strategic initiatives we have, and it's related to the whole concept of value in cancer care. Uh, our organization was founded on the idea of if you could bring together leaders from the cancer community, across all three sectors and across the full cancer spectrum, you could then bring a larger voice to many of the major issues that we need to have. So for us, the concept here is to bring the voices of our 160-plus members uh, to the palliative care uh, discussion. I think what's important is often when we have conversations in the U.S., we have conversations that are delivered by the people who know a particular topic and who always speak on it. Uh, The beauty of an organization like ours is it's not just the palliative care people who can speak to these issues, it's the people who come from other disciplines within the cancer care community to speak about it more broadly, and I think that lends an extra power to our voice. We're also very interested in the impact of palliative care and the ability to access palliative care services for populations with uh, known cancer disparities, and uh, that's a significant additional initiative of ours that ties in very closely with this one.
2: That's so fantastic. Great work there. Uh, Rebecca, I know that uh, you guys at the American Cancer Society have really embraced this issue of uh, of palliative care. I know you've been sponsoring some of the research and that you have some um, advocacy and, and legislative efforts uh, on the palliative care front as well. Can you tell our listeners about that?
0: Sure, Kim. So, the American Cancer Society is actually celebrating its 100th birthday this year, and it's sort of a true delight to see that uh, quality of life has become a prominent priority within the organization across the different arms of what we do. Through research, we've invested more than $23 million in the last seven years dedicated specifically to palliative care and symptom management to help improve that quality of life for patients and families, adults and children alike, as well as as uh, our work on the ground on the front lines with staff and communities who are able to help patients and families, but also cancer centers and other health settings understand the resources that are available um, to promote palliative care earlier in the experience. And then our advocacy affiliate as well is advancing uh, from the public policy side of the house the opportunity to make quality of life. The rule, not the exception or the afterthought, so that all of this care focused on the pain, symptoms, and stress, which are as important as the disease treatment itself, become equal share priorities in terms of how medical care gets delivered. So, this is a great opportunity, I think, for all of the cancer community together with other disease groups to come together. And our advocacy affiliate has actually built a new quality of life coalition. To help advance this campaign, that I think is an exciting new phase of what we all need to do to deliver better, person-centered, and goal-directed care.
2: So, Rebecca, I, I would imagine that um, many of our listeners, in fact, many folks out there today, when you when you say the the expression hospice care no no what that is but but you know 30 years ago people did not know what that was it was a new uh idea folks really didn't understand it it wasn't integrated it wasn't paid for uh wasn't offered to folks are we on the same track with palliative care is that the idea that we want to move to a place where everybody knows and understands uh what palliative care is that we teach folks how to ask for it that it's paid for that it's integrated that it's valued uh as a part of n- navigating any cancer experience
0: We sure do, Kim. We really want palliative care to become part of the daily vernacular of medical care and make it part and parcel of good quality medical care through research, through programs, through advocacy, through awareness. That's really mission critical to help everyone understand what it is, how to get it, how to ask for it, and how to talk about it.
2: Great, and i just want to mention the website that uh, some of you mentioned getpalliativecare uh, uh dot .org we are uh, inching towards the end of our show here but but Selma i'm going to ask you if you'll kind of help us towards our our uh, conclusion of our discussion here again you've you you've mentioned you've had your own uh you know experience with cancer over a number of years i i'd like to hear what advice what tips you have for people who are listening today about how to start a discussion with their health care team uh, about uh, palliative care and really talking about the desire to have this integrated into your cancer care plan.
3: Well, I know that it might be very scary at first blush for someone to think about talking to their doctor about this as though it means their disease has progressed to a point where they need to sort of add what could sound on the surface like something very scary and intimidating, but in truth, when you think in terms of wanting to have the best quality of life and improve clinical outcomes by tolerating your therapy better and by connecting the dots, as I said before, then my advice is a heart-to-heart with yourself, as scary as it may sound, to be honest with yourself, sit with your loved ones, assess your situation with your family members. They are not oblivious to what's going on with you and they're walking the walk with you, Have the consult together and be open to the idea that adding help to your clinical team may be actually transformative. It may open you up to possibilities and ideas and new innovations and support that you might not know about otherwise. And
2: And also, yes, yes, I was going to say, yeah, if I'm a... a, uh, A family member, a loved one, a caregiver, listening to the show today, how can I be an advocate for my loved one? Family members
3: sometimes feel like they walk on eggshells and they're really afraid. And I think that the relief, the gift that that palliative care consult brings to the whole family, it's huge, because you're all thinking the same thing. You're all worried about the same thing. And having Mm -hmm. that fragmented, Instead of unified, where people can work towards the same goal, can be a very lonely experience. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. need to be that way. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, this has been such a great uh, conversation. Um, I just want to thank our guests Rebecca Kirsch from the American Cancer Society, Tom Keane from Sea Change, and Selma Schimmel from Vital Options International. It's been an amazing discussion about palliative care, and, and I certainly hope our listeners had some takeaways today, and I encourage you to visit these wonderful organizations to learn more. I also encourage you to visit our website at cancersupportcommunity.org to find uh, our 57 affiliates around the country. Online support groups, our uh, helpline. We have a, a host of free services for people with all cancers and for their family members and loved ones. This is Frankly speaking about cancer. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, be well, do well, live well.